1: Hey friends, we're back again. It's episode 95 of the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends podcasting network. I am Charlie Carden, your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, back from the Star Trek cruise. If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm wearing this authentic poncho I got in Mexico, but still trekking it up. I did do a rare costume error, move my badge over to the other side, because otherwise it's blocked by my microphone. But I really wanted you to get the full effect. And I'm in my new studio, which I was last time, but continue to absorb. I'm going to keep working on it. But enough about me. I'm joined, as always, by my absolutely fantastic co-captains on this voyage of trekking. Uh, that would be Peter Stein. Peter, good afternoon. Hey everybody. And the fantastic K. K. what's going on?
2: Oh, you know, I'm just chilling on my not studio... Just my couch. <laughs> it
1: is well. It's it's uh, you've got you've got some studio accoutrement in the back. I see you know a kind of a cool cat tree and uh, mm-hmm. you know you know what you work with the space you got. That's all I right. I hide right. my exactly. space with the digital background. Yes, there, I am uh,
2: too lazy to do that.
1: <laughs> it, it does require a modicum of effort, but a lot less than you think. But you know what? Teach their own. I totally get it. Uh, as always, we want to give some love out there to our patreons. We started a Patreon oh about a month and a half ago we've had great support so far uh, big shout outs go to our top level folks at the BFF level the N family Sean Stella and and Henry, and your friend and mine, Missy Merchant, who's been a co-host right here on this program and is a big friend to the network. At the Best Buzz level is Janie, Jamie Prinky, and our friends with benefits, which still, you know, Todd came up with these, these names. I, I'm, not, I'm not fond of that one, but whatever. We're very fond of these people. They'd be Brendan Myers, John Sadorf, and the Phoenix Sisters cosplay, which is my friend Kelly, who we'll be, Peter and I will be doing a shoot with next month in uh, Chicago, our Voyager shoot. Uh, She will be our Captain Janeway. So very excited about that. Um, But we are kicking off the show otherwise talking about a little news. And it's not happy news because it's a show coming to an end. And I don't know. How you technically describe, is this a cancellation? Is this simply a a natural conclusion? I feel like it's cancellation just because when I was on the Star Trek cruise, uh, which April and I just came back from, Doug Jones was a guest, and it's great to see Doug because he's a, he's a, he's a, I I describe him as as a friend of a friend because he's a, he's a close friend of Missy's, and, and, you know, I like to ride on her coattails whenever I can, but he knows me, and he knows April, and we know his agent, who was also on the cruise, Derek, a fun guy, and Derek's husband, Alejandro, I I bet if I said his name wrong, but I met him as well. I believe it's Alejandro. Um, We got to chat with all of them, but uh, Doug received this news, as did Sarah Minich, who plays Lieutenant Nilsen on the bridge of Discovery. That Star Trek Discovery is coming to an end with season five, which will be uh, aired in early 2024, we had been all wondering. Right now, we're in you know season three of Picard, and we're going to talk about the first two episodes, uh, or excuse me, the next two episodes. They show episodes two and three here in a minute, um, but we don't we don't have anything on hard lock for other shows that are going to air in 2023. This, of course, was speculated to be such, but it looks like this will probably slide into the slot that Picard has right now. I would guess this would be like a February-March kickoff of 2024. But yes, the show is coming to an end after five seasons. Um, You know, what can be said about Discovery? Uh, there There are those who love it missy loves it i know that kay you're a huge fan there are traditionalists like peter and myself that sometimes struggle with it admittedly peter i don't want to speak for you but you probably have some of those same feelings that i do um but one thing that absolutely cannot be argued with in my opinion is that star trek discovery launched this second golden age of star trek there would be no picard there would be no Lower Decks. There would be no Strange New Worlds. Uh, tell me if I'm leaving something. Is there another show I'm leaving out? Is Am I having a mental block? Prodigy? No, we, there would be no Prodigy, exactly. Without Discovery bringing it back. Uh, in 2017, the fledgling CBS All Access uh, came on, and this was its kind of cornerstone piece programming was this show, uh, set as a mid-prequel to the original series, taking place about a decade before the original series. Uh, We got the voyages of Michael Burnham, portrayed by Sonequa Martin-Green and uh, Lieutenant Commander slash Commander slash Captain Saru, a brand new super cool alien played by, as I said, the... Fantastic Doug Jones and a host of other characters and their voyages, which kept them, you know, in that uh, 23rd century pre TOS time frame for a couple of seasons, in which case we also got a recasting of the classic character of Captain Pike by Anson Mount. My guy love the character, which then spawned strange new worlds. Now the show jumped forward into the 32nd century where it will conclude its run. So let's talk about some feelings. Uh, We'll go with Peter. How are you feeling about Discovery coming to an end?
0: (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, I'm okay with it. All right. Um, Like, I recognize the value of Discovery, of bringing Star Trek back to the television in a big way. New Um, audiences, I think, for sure. But um, as I have expressed before, I'm... An old school trekkie. Um, I like things are. I like continuity, and so it annoyed me. There are some good stuff. I have mentioned that before, Um, but and I hope that everyone goes on to greater and better things. That this doesn't end it, but I'm not going to be sad.
1: I understand. I understand where you're coming from, Kay. I get the feeling your feelings might be slightly stronger, but again, I know you and I have both agreed the fact that like the first season of discovery was not our favorite, but it went on to do greater things. So talk to me about how you're feeling right now. Where are you at with this?
2: Yeah, I feel like it's um, very bittersweet kind of like when Voyager came to an end, Uh, you know, fantastic show. And I've very much enjoyed it. I very much have fallen in love with all of the characters And I'm glad that they're at least giving, like, saying this is the final season, this is the series finale, and it's not just something of, like, oh, it just didn't get renewed. And Mm -hmm. then you're just kind of left with things the way they were. So it's going to give them an opportunity to really wrap things up and close out things for the characters. Um, And five seasons is nothing to sneeze at, like you and I were talking, Charlie, before we got on. That's a really good run, especially for something that was never really aired on network television. It's always right. been kind of behind a paywall. So the fact that it was able to get such a huge you know, fan following and was able to go in so much love and appreciation, especially, like we said, with the first really, really rough season, it got a lot of hate from people right from the beginning when they found out that there was going to be two female leads. And I'm just really excited that it brought us to where we are that we got things like strange new worlds and lower decks because of it and i'm really hoping that this doesn't mean that we're not going to continue to get great new shows and that this is something where they can now make strange new worlds kind of the backbone like they had discovery and then they'll be able to do offshoots right and still keep experimenting and keep letting it grow
1: right no i agree and you know I, i i walk in the middle of the two of you though, I, I do tilt more on uh, the side of what Kay has said. I mean, there's no denying what they accomplished is, you know, is it of my, you know, there are 10 star Trek shows now, so you could split it 50, 50. Is it in my upper half? It's not um, just because again, I'm like Peter. I'm a classic died in the wool um, DS nine TNG Voyager, you know, are would probably be my top three strange New worlds would probably buffer for that third spot. But um, discovery has done what Star Trek has always done which is swing for the fences uh, take on mm-hmm. new things that are directly related to social commentary the world that we live in one of the episodes of ds9 that we're going to talk about later in the show was the most on the nose social commentary I think that Star Trek did in 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 the 90s in the 21st century era um and and discovery just continued to do that more to your point Kate it does say here in this in this source article from Trek movie that they are and Doug Jones had confirmed this on one of the panels that that we listened to when we were on the ship um, that they have wrapped uh, production as of last November. um, But filming in order to kind of wrap things up and, and, you know, kind of tie things up in a bow will resume in bits and pieces. So they're going to jump back there and do some things to, to really help it feel a little bit more complete because again, uh, that's one of the biggest um, perils and pitfalls when a show gets canceled, it's like, well, there you go. Boop. I mean, how many shows ended and there was just nothing. Look at you now sure. TOS yeah exactly yeah to us is like oh and we i mean they flew off into the sunset we're going to starbase blah 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 and it's all over um and then nothing and nobody knows why so yeah so even in star trek there is that so um and again to your point k it's spectacular that something in that has existed entirely in the streaming world when you look at things that are comparable like netflix oh it was canceled before the first season aired like Mm -hmm. i think uh you know the the warner brothers did swamp thing and it was canceled while they were still airing their episodes or at they aired a handful of them and then the other ones just kind of went went in the bin. So oh, Firefly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we and Firefly, and that was back in the network days, really suffered from, well, we had a bunch of episodes and we aired them out oh, I mean, of sequence. And it had that. a it had a bad time slot, so it never really caught on. Um we're in the streaming world, that's once people find out about it. They can watch whenever they want to watch it. So it's not it's not the traditional, the thing that killed Star Trek is like, you know, the famous story is the third season. They just really wanted to get rid of it. So they put it in the death slot on Friday at 10 o'clock when people just aren't so much watching TV. Now it doesn't matter. So um, yeah, so I, I'm sad. I'm happy, but it's an evolution. You know, all all of the Star Trek shows ended um, and some of them made a comeback. So who's to say that there's not going to be some kind of discovery related revival or continuation Twenty years from now, ten years from now, who knows? Um, right. And I'd rather oh, yeah.
2: have it where it ends on a high note, and it ends when it was still good Then that, like petering out for another like six seasons and just being like, "Oh my gosh, you guys, okay, we get it." Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like the, the like, Once Upon a Time or a Castle, where just, like, yeah. yeah,
2: yes, exactly, like yes. yes. Yeah. Seasons,
0: you're like. Okay, no, please. No, you know, the
1: walking you could have ended
2: this like three seasons ago and I would have been fine.
1: (laughs) The Walking Dead was very much that way, in my opinion. Even the last season of TNG is you're really stretching to find like, oh, there's like five of these 26 that are great or, you know, it's just it's really it's a struggle, in my opinion. But anyway, that's the news. And if there's more news about this as we go forward, of course, you will hear it from us. But let's move into the juice Uh, of talking about Picard, season three, episodes two and three, uh, which of course are available to you on Paramount Plus, plug, plug, plug. Um, uh, Peter, I'm going to toss it to you to read the summary for episode two, Disengage.
0: Go for it. Disengage. Picard stops the large ship, the Shrike, from transporting Jack off the Helios, but it then captures the Helios itself with a tractor beam. Seven persuades Shaw to intervene, and Beverly is transported to the Titans' medical bay while Picard, Riker, and Jack are brought to the bridge. The trike's captain, a bounty hunter named Vadic, reveals that Jack is an intergalactic criminal with a large bounty on his head. Shaw has Jack arrested and intends to turn him over to save the crew, despite the protests of Picard and Riker. Jack escapes from custody and attempts to transport himself over to the Shrike in an effort to save his mother, but Riker helps Beverly to the bridge, and when Picard sees her, he realizes that Jack is his son from a brief relationship he had with Beverly decades earlier. <laughs> Knowing that Picard will not hand over his son, Shaw orders the Titan into a nearby nebula, as a delighted, maniacally gleeful is more accurate. Yeah, she's a little little too happy. Yeah, (laughs) Raffi meets with a Ferengi criminal, Sneed, hoping to find those responsible for the attack, despite her handler ordering her to stop investigating, to disengage. She is almost killed by Sneed, but is saved by her handler. Worf, son
1: of Worf. Oh my God! First of all, uh, total. I said this to myself both when I was watching it. Um, in the scene, obviously, once we have Jack and and Picard and Riker over uh, in kind of holding area in the in the wardroom or the, the you know the the conference area uh, over on the Titan, uh, Shaw comes in. By the way, Shaw actor Todd Stadwick. I spent a a great deal of time with him on the cruise. He even uh, did the. Um, marriage renewal ceremony that April and I got remarried at in our uniforms was run by him because he's obviously an ordained minister, but I caught him a couple times. I was on stage with him uh, during one of the variety show sketches. I mean, I ended up spending a crazy amount of time with him, and what a super cool guy. Um, But he walks in, and he starts reading off all these aliases that Jack Crusher has, and it just reminds me of Simpsons reference. Uh, Homer's mother, it was the same thing. She was a criminal on the run, and she had all these crazy – Reference or she had all these crazy fake names, and the, the, the thing that jumped out at me was Mona May Muggins. So that's kind of how we think of Jack Rusher. He's Mona May Muggins. But anyway, I know that was a ridiculous story. Uh, Kay, <laughs> your thoughts on the episode will circle back to Peter, and then I will go last.
2: Uh, so this is an episode. <laughs> um, my <laughs> right. biggest takeaway was it felt like the episode is fighting the actors because you had really great performances like that performance of just like the moment where Beverly sees Picard for the first time. And there's this really amazing moving, just like two or three second interaction where they have an entire conversation between each other. And, you know, like without a shadow of a doubt, you're like, okay, cool. She has now confirmed that Jack is his son. Like we got this. And then immediately Picard goes, he is my son. And I'm like, yes, we have okay. that.
1: Thank we you. We know that.
2: We did not need to <laughs> confirm. So, and even like Vattic, I, you know, the actor who's doing it, she's giving an amazing performance, but everything about it felt really kind of just forced. Like, I'm like, is she like, are we getting like psychotic Harley Quinn type crazy vibes? Is she like more, you know, con- you know, crazy, maniacal, like, calculating Like, which one do you want her to be? Because you're having her give us both right now. So can we please come to a decision? And I don't know. I just, it feels like they're still kind of just throwing things at it. And I'm not really seeing the characters acting like the characters yet. Um, And you started to see that even think more so in the third episode. But like you had the brief interaction with Troy, where they were doing a flashback, and Troy was acting like, or that might have been in the third That's episode. The I might yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was in third. One, so yeah, flashback. Yeah. So um, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm liking the bridge crew, uh, and I'm liking seven. I think that those guys are mm-hmm. are looking really great. But other than that, it was. I'm just kind of still waiting to see what's happening or what's right. going to happen. Nothing has really grabbed my attention yet.
1: We're we're understandably gun shy. I would Mm -hmm. say after what we were coming off of in season two. So that's, that is completely fair. Peter.
0: Uh, I kind of have the same feelings as Kay about this one. It was, it was an episode. It wasn't like the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, But it was, but it like, it confirmed things that we already had guessed from season, from episode one. Like, Oh no, Jack is Picard's son. Oh wow. Who ever thought that? Who um, did that? You know,
2: and there were even little like fun like I really enjoyed the Riker Picard of Riker being like you really don't see yeah, this. like that was funny. You really wow. don't. Yeah, that was like, funny. Like it's yeah. it was
0: funny but at the same time just having done a little bit of script writing and directing there he was, was like, a little bit of was like, like yeah. Like, yes. Riker literally tells him, "You're dancing around the issue, Jean-Luc." And, like, and I'm sitting there like, "The episode is dancing around the issue too. Stop." <laughs> Dance? Yes. Like, oh, I mean, it was I funny because the meta was there, funny. but it was just like, oh, <laughs> like, again, it wasn't terrible. It's was just one of, that moment particularized. The, co- the dialogue was funny, but it was the meta was just like, whatever. <laughs> the meta um, was. Jo- oh, you know what? The meta
1: was just like, whatever is a better name for the episode. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, and Riker's always been a little bit meta where he was always oh, yeah. been the one who kind yeah. of delivers the yeah, jokes Riker that way. It. So, it was, yeah, I mean, again, that was that was very Riker.
0: Oh, it was totally Riker. Yeah, like, which was perfect. Like the thing in this episode, Riker is still very much doing Riker things, and like yes. he's very, he's still very Riker in this episode.
2: So I think um, that you and I are going to have the same conversation oh yeah, for episode enough, three. <laughs> for, uh, oh.
0: so Riker's very, very Riker in this episode. I really liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't enough of Beverly in this episode for me to really get like much of a feel. There's that I right. really like that moment um, where they where the conversation by glances. Um, I did like Shaw's reaction to that. Actually, Mm -hmm. um, Shaw's been kind of growing on me in part because talking to my brother who is in the army, he's gives me some context on like chain of command and stuff. And like, it makes sense for Shaw to do stuff like this. Um, as a side note, I think we're going to get some sort of based on stuff we've seen in the credits. Shaw's going to have some sort of tie to Wolf three, five, nine, and there's going to be some unresolved trauma there. I'm just going to throw mm-hmm. that out there as my prediction. Yeah. Um, I mean, that,
1: that's a, I, I wouldn't say it's an easy tack, but it's a It's a decent one. And having Picard and Riker in the same place, yeah. you have the butcher of 359, and then you have the guy who missed 359. And then the savior mm-hmm. of the
0: Federation. Yeah, exactly. And then you have Seven, so, who's, you know, a result of the Federation right. dealing with the butchers of 359 right exactly um, so like Could be. i liked i did enjoy shaw's response for picard was like it's my son you literally see him go oh shit <laughs> yeah well then what are we going to do now this so would like, be this would be the creek like, that reaction was perfect i really liked yeah. that um and i and like hey okay, i'm enjoying the bridge crew pretty well i i lean towards laforge i like her the most out of everybody probably. oh yeah, she absolutely. Has the most personality Right. Um, the, the Delton's Deltan Vulcan science officer is also entertaining more in three than this one. Mm-hmm.
2: Right.
0: The Bajoran ops officer hasn't really done much to write.
1: Yeah. He's like pushing things, buttons. But and he's, there. Sometimes.
0: Yeah. I, he's there. Yeah. He's there. I know he's there. I recognize him. I still don't know his name. Right. Um, it's but, true. But yeah. Uh, also Vatic with K. I'm not sure what they're going for. Um, actor clearly has skill. But yeah, Amanda I don't know, Amanda Plumber, yeah, goes I don't way, know way back who this yeah. person is supposed to be because they're like, It's a bounty hunter, and I'm just like, Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, um, we don't. We haven't had a long storied uh, history of some great bounty hunter characters. We got a smattering of them yeah, in so. Enterprise, and I, I can't really think of. probably some in probably some in DS Nine. I would think Quark dealt with somebody who's maybe a bounty hunter or Nausicaans. Yeah. that's kind of yeah, their I thing. Mean,
0: the Nausicaans are pretty generally bounty hunters, and yeah. I think yeah, Quark may have dealt with someone. I don't
1: yeah, know. so yeah, you're right. It's 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 kind of too tangential at this oh, point to figure I, out. Like, do you have okay. to say
0: one thing about please uh, the Ferengi looked. So much better.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Then your the then, then your kind of one. the one that melt, I have
0: your melted ice cream discovery. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the one that I have not had good things to say about this right. Ferengi. While different, and I do take issue with some design design things, I could tell it was a Ferengi, and I was like, All right. we're good." <laughs> he didn't look with it. Yeah. did you guys pick out uh the,
1: and again i didn't pick it out because so much heavy makeup but i did see a report that was the actor who was pyro in the uh, the couple of the x-men movies early 2001 so Whoa. x-men united
0: familiar, but i, I yeah. was like who is this have i seen him before but i didn't go look him up later yep so totally yeah, yeah. yeah i did again, that yeah that might have been he did a
2: great job mm-hmm. right it was very well acted Randy. once again um Rafi, writing her like an idiot Because she shows up and I'm like, you, I I have issue with how they're using Rafi again. I just, because either Starfleet is absolutely just balls to the walls, idiots, because they're taking someone who is obviously very clearly still struggling with substance abuse and putting her as an undercover ops as a substance abuser and being like, no, she'll be fine. It's cool. It's cool. Right. Or, on the flip side, she actually has gone through and overcome her substance abuse and is now actually a successful undercover operative for Section 31. And, you know, like, she literally saved the universe. And the only thing that they really write her about is that she used to abuse substance. Like, this is something she struggles with. And I'm like, it's just it feels like such a bad stereotype. And it's just the only thing that has defined her character now for three seasons. Which and is I'm just right.
0: exceptionally irritating. Yeah. She that right.
1: she's just she's just a mess. She's just right. a mess and no matter was, what she's doing. Right.
2: Right. It was one thing when that was like the first part of her character development in season one, because like Picard met her while she was still actively an alcoholic. Like, yes, that mm-hmm. made sense that she was working through that. But now, like, we've had a season and a half now of her working through that and overcoming it. And you're still just, like, beating that down to her. And I'm like, she should be more than this. Like, even the conversation she had with her ex where he was like, well, you know, what else are you going to be? Like, he was, like, basically, like, shitting on her the entire time. I'm like, you're talking to someone who literally saved the universe and is a successful member of Starfleet and doing these really difficult undercover missions. And you're acting like she's some sort of, like person off the street who like is wrong, yeah. like trying to rob you so that they can get their next hit
1: yeah and, and they tossed they tossed the husband the, the husband the ex-husband was a character in there was a um, there was a novelization that was a run-up to the first season of Picard and again it, not not strictly canon and I don't know how much they were bending those rules and canonical you know things in books can be canonical if they get pulled in on screen but that's a conversation for another time but they really painted him as he was very much a straight arrow but in this he's like well you know I I'm a recovering addict too and I run this bar where we sell drugs I and mean, it's just really making him out to be not a great dude and then he takes the moral high ground with her well you know i'll hook you up with the ferengi guy or i'll put in a good word with you with our estranged son but i won't do both it's like what a what a dick yeah you know you're not you're not such a great guy after all that you can you know that you think you're obi-wan up there on the moral high ground knock it off
2: right and it just it feels like it's not painting like it's again. It feels like it's it's very harmful to people who have had substance abuse right. difficulties in the past because they're just making this this. They're just creating this really harmful stereotype of like it this is all her, she is and it this becomes is her all she can ever be. Yeah, which yeah.
1: Is- yeah, yeah. Very one note, which is you know you paint yourself into a corner. All right, well let's move along. K. Okay, episode three, 17 seconds. Is that like that nine seconds? Luke uh, Perry or eight seconds? It was <laughs> a Luke Perry movie. Where he was riding the horse. You know what I'm talking. See, you get the reference maybe. No? (laughs) No. Oh, Jesus. Okay, anyway, this episode's yours. Go for it.
2: (laughs) All right, so the Shrike attacks the Titan, injuring Shaw, who transfers command to Riker. Beverly explains that she did not tell Picard about Jack to keep their son safe from an assassination attempt. Side note, very Gracie. The Titan attempts to escape the nebula, but is cornered by the Shrike using portal technology. Boop, boop, boop. Picard yeah, advises yeah, Riker yeah. to lure the Shriek into a tap, but Riker wants to flee and prioritizes the screw. They go back and forth between that quite a bit. Um, they figure out why the Vatic from the Shriek can track the Titan, and then they find out that a changeling oh, has been sabotaging the ship. Oh no! Changeling! Capture a criminal that they believe is responsible for attacking uh, M. Talis Prime. Who then they discover is a changeling, also demon possessed. Apparently, part of the group that has been fighting the Federation since the end of the Dominion War. And then they realize the attack was a distraction because they were trying to steal something else that was maybe more important. Uh, <laughs> McGuffin. McGuffin. Uh, based off of, or I guess after Picard's prodding, Riker finally decides to fire on the strike. Their weapons are then redirected back at them, and they shoot Damn themselves it. in their own ass, Out which my was ass. very. I was honestly laughing very hard when that happened were were you laughing your ass off (laughs) I was yes (laughs) Um, and so the Titan sustains heavy damage and then Riker completely out of character blames Picard and orders him off the bridge as they drift towards the gravitational anomaly of the nebula and this is I think where where, uh, Peter and I are going to heavily agree that Riker goes off the rails in this episode and they were writing Riker for conflict not for Riker's sake
0: Not not for records. Yep. Like there
2: was no reason. I mean, I got because they start out buddy buddy, and he's like, you know, there's this really cute moment where he says that he's gonna start calling Picard his number one and Or Picard tells him to start calling him his number one. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you're like, this is really cool. Like you're seeing this different dynamic and they're having, you know, some challenging conversations where Picard is, you know, giving him his input. Very much reminiscent of the conversations that Picard and Riker would have on, you know, TNG Mm -hmm. on the Enterprise when they'd be going back and forth. And then Riker follows his suggestion. It does not go well. And then Riker immediately, instead of saying, I'm the captain, I ultimately was the one who made this decision. Blames Picard and tells him, no, you need to go away.
0: You've killed us but, all. Get off the bridge. Yeah. yeah. It's a-
2: I was like, what is this? Right. Who the hell is this?
1: Right. Exactly.
2: And, you know, and there's this part where vadic again, amazing, amazing acting, great delivery on these lines, but they just have her waxing on and on and she keeps coming in doing all these monologues. And I was so Bored. i was so bored during these monologues monologuing.
1: she is, it really did, yes. Yes. she is by the way the daughter of christopher Plummer, who was the klingon villain in star trek six who was also famous for monologuing general was chang. oh my god general chang mr shakespeare yes as
2: the northern star i'd
1: give real i'd give money real money if he'd shut up
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the vibe i was getting right and they had this is a thing where um I was able to vibe with you too, because canonically we know how changelings behave when they cannot uh, be in a bucket. (laughs) Yeah. When they can't, when they can't bucket themselves. Right. And for some reason, this dude starts, uh, like his voice gets a reverb, like he's possessed by a demon. Like we went full on exorcism with this guy. Mm -hmm. And, he it did make
1: yeah. They're just, yeah it, they're just supposed to get all melty like that happened mm-hmm. to Odo more do than once. They get a little
0: shaky, but
1: like yeah, not, but they yeah. don't go like yeah
0: exactly.
1: And
2: he was like thrashing and wailing around and just the this entire episode, I was just like, okay, here we go. Now we're going back into the crazy where they're just throwing stuff like they did in the last two seasons, just to see what they can have happen and mm. you know, they're going to start pulling characters to have them act out of characters so that they can create conflict for no reason. And the only, only redeeming factor I saw was that once again, Beverly and Picard had an absolutely amazing, amazing scene right. Right. between the two of them where she's explaining why she didn't tell Picard about the fact that she was pregnant and it was really, really well delivered by both of them.
1: Right. And you know, as someone who's dealt with that in my own life. Not that I, you know, ha- have a kid out there. I don't know about that. I'm aware of, you know, I, have been married twice. Uh, I have, I have three kids. I have a son who passed away, but I have two sons by two different women. People know this about me, that both of my exes have been over backwards to make sure I'm not part of my son's lives. Not for any noble reason. Not like, you know, it was, Oh, it's to save their life or it's that, you know, no, it's not like somebody was trying to get to them through Jim me or Bar whatever it is. Kill you. Oh no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, People do things for their own reasons. Some are super screwed up, like what happened what's happened with me. And in other cases, Kate, okay, like you're saying, some things are very gray. There's some things that Beverly said that are totally valid. Um yeah. that absolutely does not justify in my opinion, as someone who's on the other side of it as a father who's been alienated from his children, doesn't make it okay.
2: In no and that was the that was the great thing is that there was this it really became a moral gray of her going I was trying to protect our son because mm-hmm. everything about you is fraught with danger and Picard immediately shoots back and goes but wasn't that my choice
0: exactly. And again just right.
2: Patrick Stewart's delivery of that just again shows why he has such a long and amazing you know career is because in the fact that, um, oh, shoot, who plays Beverly? Gates
1: McFadden. Uh, Gates McFadden.
2: Yeah, the fact that Gates McFadden was able to hold her own in that scene with Patrick Stewart, just mm, amazing.
0: I really like the line that he gave out, which is like, I shouldn't be damned for a decision that I wasn't allowed to make.
2: Yes, that was exactly. such a great like, line. line.
0: Um, right. Because I've yeah. been in that situation. <laughs> yeah exactly right
1: and me too exactly so that was yeah that really and we uh, april and i watched this one on the ship there was a screening a very late night screening last wednesday that was introduced by todd stashwick captain captain dick butt as i used to call him now i respect him and i call (laughs) he's he's Captain Superstar, he's a super funny guy. He and Tawny, I was on stage with both of them during... during it was actually the Gorn Gong Show. April shot a whole video of it. I'll, I'll make sure that you guys see it. Um, but it was... it was. I shared the stage with him and Tawny and Jeff Combs, and they are all ridiculously hilarious. I, I think April and I are going to record a segment of our experiences on the the, the ship, so I'm going to hold back uh, and save it for that. But I, 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 we will do that, but we just... It was just an unbelievable experience. But anyway, um, so what do you think, guys? Where are we headed? I mean, are we, are we, are we, we were, we were less cautiously optimistic after the first episode, but are we, are, are we tilting in the other direction now? Are we afraid we're getting into bad habits or where do you think we're headed? I mean, are they, are they saving something for us that'll make all this make sense or is it, are, are we just, are we, are we going over the cliff?
2: I think we're going over the cliff. They've got too many threads already going where I think it's going to go over the cliff.
1: You have the absolute perfect cat who's going, sticking her face in there, K. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, are thing you thing sure, thing. Mama?
2: <laughs> he is absolutely positive. He has watched every episode with me so far. <laughs> well,
0: that's a good kitty. The only thing I'll say is that this season so far has the added benefit of sticking a little bit more to the Star Trek universe feel. Yeah. Um, feel, yeah. But... Like we've been saying, there's there's more signs that the characters are going to act out of character a little bit more regularly than not, and I'm definitely a little bit more concerned about that. Worf seems to be doing Worf things, and that's good. Right.
2: Worf um, is going to Worf, and it was so beautiful Worf the entire time. Is- I like this whole
0: thing to <laughs> work. son Worf. of Moog, son of da 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 killer of gawa
1: oh. Would you like some tea? Oh my yes. god! And that immediately <laughs> immediately showed up on a meme that somebody wrote it on a Starbucks cup, and it was fantastic. It was I, hey, uh, the immediate
0: thought for me, and I haven't really watched a lot of the show. Was like from Family Guy, where it's like, "We are drinking tea. Thank you very much. Yes, tea." And it's just that's what I thought of. Good um, tea. So, so nice it just house. made me laugh that they had uh, Worf doing. Doing that. Oh so, God. like, Worf mm-hmm. is going to probably be a highlight because right. Worf going to warf and he seems to be warfing well. Right, um, right, right. Goals, yes. But I'm. But, you I know, was, we, I we, was okay with Riker up until this episode, and now I'm just like,
2: yes. I don't know. Well, right. and I was very worried about the Troy Riker thing that they have going on. And they have, the only scenes they have shown her in, they have not, painted right. her as very, like, catty, kind of yeah. a stereotypical, like, controlling housewife. Right. And that is definitely not her. So I'm very very concerned about their relationship. Yeah.
0: I did have some interaction I mean, the with the flashback Marina. thing I can the, get, like, the sleep, sleep deprivation causing something. Right. But but
1: that but that was our intro. Well, it wasn't our You know we did see her obviously in season 1, I think. I think she, she played all she right was in season okay. 1. Yeah. Right. Well, and
2: sh- they had her in season one where she was very encouraging with Riker like p- when Picard right. showed up she was like obviously we would help like Riker was the one who was going you know I am bringing danger into this family I am doing bad things and she was like this is Picard of course you're going to do that and you know I can't hold you against this because that's who you are and I wouldn't love you if this wasn't who you are right and now apparently she hates him for this
1: what yeah what changed what changed in just a just a couple of years if you look at the yeah.
0: it's been a couple of years it, it just doesn't yeah. yeah, so it's the concern about the characters again is kind of where mm-hmm. I'm at. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I'm still curious to see what they do with Shaw.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm still yeah, yeah like I'm a, him. I, I want him to live. I mean, I, I actually end up liking him very much. So, all right, well, that will be a mystery for another week. But where it's time to move on, uh, yes. talking about Deep Space Nine. This is uh, part two of season three, uh, still airing at the tail end of. 1994 is my first year in college. It was just, it was so crazy. So very long ago. Uh, but yeah, we got, we got a packet of six episodes, so we're going to kick it off. Kay, uh, give us episode number eight.
2: I feel like you gave me this one on purpose. <laughs> I did because
1: it's, uh, it's, it's already earned its spot when we do our wrap up for me.
2: <laughs> uh, it has for me as well. Yes. So Meridian written by, or directed by Jonathan Franks, Woo! a story by Hillary J. Bader and Evan Carlos Sommers, teleplay by Mark Gerard O'Connell, aired March 14th of 1994. Dax falls in love with Daryl, or Dural, who, <laughs> no, call, like, Daryl, who... No, I like Daryl. Yeah, Daryl,
1: like, uh, <laughs> Daryl. Like, like, either for the Bob Hope Show, which, you not the Bob, uh, yes. Bob Newhart. And uh, is that a reference you guys got? Bob Newhart? Probably not Peter. No? Oh my God. Or no, from the no. working. Yeah. But anyway. I digress.
2: <laughs> but anyway, uh, he falls in love with Gerald, who's on a planet that will soon disappear, uh, which is called Meridian, and it is a planet that phases between two dimensions every 60 years. <sighs>
1: I'm sorry. That, that's <sighs> 100% of my commentary. Yes. With, with, the ex- with the exception of the fact that this is the first appearance of, in any Star Trek of Jeff Combs. First oh. appearance. Because he is go. the rich um, creep alien who's stalking Kira. <sighs>
2: So the, there was like usually there is a like I might not like one of the plots like the A or B plot, but usually right. I'll like the other one. This one was a total miss for me on all fronts because first off, Dax's first interaction with Daryl is basically "Can I touch your hair?" moment where he's like, "Are you know those are interesting markings? Do they go all the way down? Oh, like God, are those no. natural? I think that's what he says. Is are those real or are those natural?" And she's like, "Yes, are yours?" I was like, "This, why would she ever?" ever be interested in this She'd be dude.
1: like i'm gonna go stand over here now <laughs>
2: right i was like I this is dax, super... like,
0: trolling him super hard because of yes that, but not... yeah
2: absolutely yeah, right. that was exactly. the entire thing i was like dax would not i cannot see her being into this dude because he's just kind of creepy he's kind of in like just very disrespectful as far as that goes and then you had the entire like playing women off as objects for laughs with this weird possessive thing and I get, I get that Quark is a Ferengi. It's all capitalism. So he wouldn't really see a problem with this. But the idea of he's like, yes, this guy wants a hologram of Kira and has specifically said he wants it so that he can do anything to her. And, you know, sex, that is not going to be sex good boy stuff.
1: Kira. Yeah, no.
2: Yes. And Quark's just like, yeah, sure. And so it's this laughs off of like him trying to get... Her information, and the only reason why it doesn't work is because Odo's like, "Hey, someone has accessed all of your information and data logs. Yeah, maybe we should figure out why. It wasn't because Quark had any moral quandaries about it.
1: Nope this was uh, this was absent of the Star Trek moral quandary quiz. Quark doesn't do those. Leave that for somebody else. (laughs) Oh my god!
2: This one that's that's my rant. This one was a total miss for me.
1: Super duper gross, Peter. Yep.
0: Yeah, yep. <laughs> I, uh, I, I <laughs> yeah. I don't no. think I have much to add. I mean, Quark's head when everyone went like that was kind of funny. But other than yeah. that, that was yes, that was that, a funny was moment. Like, <clears throat> That's like the only good moment in the episode. And I like, mm-hmm. I enjoy when it shows up in like books or references and video games Or just like, Hey, Qu- uncle Quark, you remember this? Nope. Nope. Don't talk about that. No, no, no. And it's just, no, we don't do that. I enjoy that because mm-hmm. it's just like, it's a terrible episode, but that was funny because Quark got his up and said it was hilarious. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but other than that, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you got an episode
1: directed by Jonathan Frakes, which especially is, is gold in this day and age. He directs something like he directed, he's directed several great episodes of discovery in recent years. You know, yeah. he directed one of these recent episodes of Picard, but you've got you've got otherwise a story and a teleplay team of uh I know Hillary Bader is a regular, but the other two names are not familiar to me. So I wonder if it's just a case of you get people that don't understand the characters and they're trying mm-hmm. to do a Star Trek, like, oh, this seems like it might be, and it just it just flops. So yeah. I think that's where we end up. Well, what didn't flop, I'm stealing this one, is uh when has always been one of my favorites, <laughs> yeah. and I wonder why. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, th- this was a month where Jonathan Frakes got two paychecks because uh, it gets to be in episode nine, which is Defiant, directed by Cliff Bull, stalwart of the series. Ron Moore is the writer. My guy meeting him at Star Trek Las Vegas. I- I'll be stalking him, but it won't be like the weird hologram sex thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, this is from November of 1994. William Riker shows up unannounced on the station and Kara shows him the Defiant where his real identity and his true motives for coming to Deep Space Nine are revealed. That's right. He's Tom Riker, who's apparently given up Loving on Deanna Troy for loving on the Maquis. Yes, yes, taking off taking off the big sideburns. Right,
2: that's how you know he's evil is because he doesn't have a beard. He has a a goatee. goatee.
1: Yes, Yes. goatee is always
0: the signifier.
1: Beard's good, goatee's bad. Might have found a new name. Might have found a new (laughs)
2: name for the
0: episode.
1: So let me just go ahead and change that. But this has been and will always be one of my favorites. Uh, Not only because I love Jonathan Frakes. Uh, it's very heavy into the Cardassian stuff. It's it's packed with a lot of action. Um but you get some real character study with the duality uh that are that are the, the you know, kind of the Riker boys, you know, the Riker mm-hmm. twin clones, uh if you're not Familiar with Thomas Riker, that comes from a Season 6 episode of TNG, uh, where the Enterprise visits a planet where Riker had, as a young officer, visited when he was on another ship. He had gotten beamed up. The uh, beam went awry. He materialized on the ship, and he materialized down on the planet but was trapped there. And so there were two identical... Rikers. And when they rediscover the new dude, he's in love with Troy and blah, 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 blah. And in the end of it, he goes off to have his he goes off to have his own life without Troy. Well, in going off to have his own life, he decides that the Maquis is his thing and he wants to set himself apart and be the badass Riker because he's got that goatee. He probably said, mm-hmm. I'm having bad thoughts. Let me get on my razor. Yep. Now I'm a bad now. I'm a bad guy. Um, yeah, this will always be one of my absolute favorites and while i changed the name of the episodes to beard's good goatee's bad uh let's hear from Kay.
2: yeah i would agree this was a i think a great episode definitely solid in the grouping i you know again for all of the f- reasons i think that uh you know you had a lot of fun from uh Riker being able to play kind of the villainous character um and i think it was really really great just with being able to show or build on that strain between, like, the official government of Cardassia along with the Obsidian Order and that, like, constant power struggle that the two have. And, you know, you just get to see the continuing, um, like, build of the world of DS9 instead of it just being, like, kind of singular episodic like there were in previous series, which is what I really enjoy.
1: Big time, and this does set up um, a big Cardassian with the Obsidian Order, which is their secret police. It's setting up a huge two part story that's two part story that's coming up. I think we're covering mm-hmm. it in our next segment, but it's really it's it's really it's like oh, that's what they were doing. Um, but yeah, Peter, what do
0: you think? I mean, what 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 else can be said? Right, this just it, it's a fun episode. It's I, awesome. Yeah. It's enjoyable. It's just got. A lot of fun parts it's always fun i generally like crossover episodes anyway when they handle the character as well and this one was handled pretty well i mean yeah nail, it's, nail. It, it's just nailed episode, it so uh
1: speaking of things that didn't nail it uh uh <laughs> peter i think number 10 is yours
0: <laughs> thank you <laughs> Sorry, uh, oh, thank you, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you. Okay, Episode remember. 10. Fascination. Directed by Avery Brooks, interestingly enough. I know. Uh, story by Iris Stephen Bear and James Crocker. Teleplay by Philip Lezebnik, I think. Aired on November 28th, 1994. Everyone's favorite, walks on a Troy. Pursues Odo during the Bajoran Gratitude Festival as members of the crew suddenly co infatuated with one another.
1: What you know, and I will, <laughs> I will interject. The Bajoran Gratitude Festival was um, one of the theme nights on the cruise. Oh, Nana Visitor oh, cool. was a Nana Visitor was a guest, and she kicked off the dance party where I, April took a couple pictures of. She jumped out and danced with people in the crowd, including me. And April got some pictures of it. But she did the whole um, little speech, and she had it on a piece of paper, and she said it to kick off the festival there on the on the pool deck on the cruise. It was totally awesome. But anyway, but I digress. Peter. How do you feel about the
2: episode? <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs>
2: we know how much you love love Luxana,
0: right? Obviously,
2: she's love a ball. I, uh,
0: I mean, Luxana, she has her on moments and her off moments for me. This one was a. Eh. Um, I did like the moment between her and Odo in the turbo lift at the end. Like that was, yes, that was, that was good. It was very, very emotionally honest. I right. like it was that. Very, and, very good. Like, that, that was some good acting, that was some good character stuff. Um, but generally speaking, um, yeah, I also just don't like it when everything becomes like, oh, I'm infatuated, and now it's all about, uh, no, right? Man. Those are not my didn't favorite episodes.
2: I totally love the weird, like, face sucking conversation <sighs> that happened between Bashir and Nakira. <laughs>
0: I, I and in real and I've in real this life, that's times, I that's hate those, yeah. those sorts of things in Star Trek. Anyway, I know. It I just, know.
1: Doesn't do romance. That was actually it was when those two actors were getting together and they ended up getting mm-hmm. married and they had a baby. But this was right around that time when when Nana and, and uh Sid were were becoming a couple. So I I think I knew that. And there was news at the time, so I was like, oh, that was easy.
2: Which is um, weird because there's like zero sexual chemistry in that entire scene
1: in like, the entire, I, in the in the entire episode nobody really it's like oh okay Dax No
2: I feel like they they did it specifically where they were like we need to make this as unsexy as possible just for comedy sake <laughs>
0: which they Nan- succeeded but I'm not sure oh, yes. comedic Yeah
1: <laughs> Nana is so great in person but I have said this since I watched show- she is a weird kisser she's like just sorry Nana I'm You know the thing I think that
2: might have been Avery Brooks because the like that was kind of a thing during that time frame of like kissing, like any passionate kissing. It was always just like you are licking them, you like trying to eat you're someone's an face. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: that's why I don't like it because it just—it's just.
2: Oh it's... yeah, no, it's weird and awkward. It is one of those things where I'm like, what is what is wrong? I like are, are you having a stroke while you're kissing yes. what's going
0: on <laughs> oh my it's God. like a,
2: like a, a five year old was told to kiss someone passionately yes, and for- that's what they would assume uh, it was supposed to be
0: <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. All right. Well, let's leave this one in the dust. Uh, And Kay, uh, I'll I'll, I'll say let's wrap uh, this two-parter in one reading. But um, one of the most important episodes, not only of the season, of the series, in my opinion, but potentially of all of Star Trek, uh, is yours. So go for it.
2: Yes. So we had Past Tense Part 1 and 2. Um, The first one was directed by uh, Reza Badiri. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, story um, by, in both episodes was written by Ira Stephen Baer and Robert Hewitt-Wolf. And then the teleplay was done by Robert Hewitt-Wolf. Teleplay in the second part was done by Ira Stephen Baer and Renee Echevara. Um So basically, you have there was a transporter accident and Cisco Bashir, and Dax. Time travel three centuries to Earth's past um, to a dark timeline, which is uh, 2024. So apparently this year going to be real rough for us. Real rough. Yeah. Um, in a pastime just before the bell riots, which were a violent, violent civil disturbance in opposition to the sanctuaries, which are controlled um, ghettos of, of uh, the, for the
0: the dispossessed
2: for yes. the dispossessed. Yes. So basically an area that they kind of just bring all of the unhoused and stick them there and kind of leave it to be. Yeah, so just good. some really, yeah. really severe redlining going on there. Um, and there were just some absolutely amazing parts. Um, first off, you have it where they get when they get separated, they land, and Cisco and Bashir, who are the two men of color. <laughs> Right. are immediately found by the cops and questioned and assumed guilt where Dax, who is the pretty white woman is assumed innocent and is taken in and protected. By, <laughs> so by a, dude.
1: Like, a, a guy's yeah. walking by. Yeah. Cause uh, the, the two of them, they materialized at, uh, at basically a, a subway <laughs> stairway. Uh, Cisco and Bashir are laid out on the street. So they obviously, they, their possessions were, you know, their, their badges and pips got taken where Dax was sitting on the subway steps and, she still has her badge and there's, you know, uh, there's a handsome rich white guy walking by who says, Oh, let me help you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where the two of them are like, let's get you, let's get you two idiots in jail. Uh, right. Like, so
2: there's, yeah, there's yeah. just this assumed innocence with, uh, with Dex, you know, because, you know, it just talks a lot about like pretty privilege and like white assumption of like white women can't do anything wrong, which I don't know if they did it on purpose, but I thought it was very, very kind of on brand. Yes. Um, and, very, yeah watching the conversation because the first time I had seen this discovery was not out yet and watching it. Now the conversation that Bashir and Cisco have where Bashir asks is something really catastrophic happens and we get desperate enough or frightened enough. How would we react? And he's Mm -hmm. asking if we really are any different than like the Kardashians or the Romulans. Right. And canonically now we know what would happen because it happened in discovery shows that. yeah, Yeah. After the burn and that, humanity really has a struggle with self-preservation and with selfishness as a species as far as like self-isolating and not wanting to help once we get scared. And it's this continual process of learning and overcoming that. So Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really kind of interesting point that they didn't know there would be an answer to later on. But looking back on it, it's a really cool thing to kind of think on
1: big time. Oh my goodness. No, absolutely. And uh holy cow, uh in the next 12 months we're apparently going to have a real dial back in technology in so much mm-hmm. that there nobody has cell phones. Uh all of our computer terminals are worked with those little Apple pens and you got to you got to drag you got to do drag and drop and everything basically is worse than Windows 95. So, not really looking forward to that. And the fashion, I like it how they were at a party and Dax was wearing a man's suit with like a peacock tail in her hair. It's like we're 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 in for some real bad. Like you said, we're about to have a real dark year in everything. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. Technology
1: is <laughs> definitely going backwards. But, um, Ira Stephen Bear was was a guest on the cruise, and I I actually bumped into him immediately. I, you guys, I I was every time I bumped into somebody, I would message you guys, and I would be like, I just met Annie Robinson and Ira Stephen Bear and <laughs> all in once, and um ira when i went to either one of his talks or he hosted trivia um and somebody tossed out something about uh about this episode and he says hey look um, he says, you know, I'm from New York City. I'm from the Bronx. He says, the thing is, things keep going the way they're going, and that episode is going to happen like now. Because it is oh, happening yeah. right now.
2: I it's- say it's already – L.A. already has this kind of setup because oh, the yeah. population is so drastic.
1: Yeah, it was I, – I remember – because I was driving the first day that we were in L.A., and I was going from Griffith Observatory back down to our stay for that, which was closer to the port, and so driving down – the 10 or the 101 or one of them that was just was headed from north to south and seeing and then I saw it later in our bus tour which was just yesterday or two days ago um all of the uh, the homeless encampments that they just have tents that go across those freeway uh passes and just absolutely you, you don't see anything you, you think you don't see anything like it but it really is everywhere you know we hit, <laughs> we, hit we have we have homeless here in Grand Rapids I'd like to think we managed a little bit better but it's still Everywhere, uh, and in every city. So yeah, this is um, you know they put Cisco in the driver's seat of being um, the historian who was informing Bashir. And again, they they added that to his character for the sake of this episode, which is fine. You know, it's not like something like, "Hey, trivia about me is I love 21st century history" or blah blah blah. Uh, And and Bashir you know knows nothing. Bashir doesn't know anything about. Twenty third century history either because we find that out in the Trials and Tribulations episode he's like I don't know anything about this period in history you know for a genetic he's Superman a he's, he's really kind receiver, of, he's really kind of dull <laughs> you know yeah he just he must have skipped uh, been sleeping all of those history classes so um, yeah I cannot think of another episode of Star Trek or episodes in this case that really. It hits it on the nose. It's very heavy, but it has become so much more telling in the mm-hmm. now almost 30 years since this episode has been on the air. This was on back in, you know, back in the, uh, 1995, the beginning of 1995. Um, and again, and coming from Deep Space Nine, which is we're the space station show and we don't really go and do blah, blah, blah. And this is um, absolutely incredible story. Um, of uh, you know a myriad of great, incredible stories that DS Nine will give us in years to come, and you know, driven by driven by Ira and dri- driven by Robert Hewitt Wolf. Um, and just I I can't say enough great things about it. So Peter,
0: um, I I like these episodes. Um, yeah, like there's good stuff obviously there's the social commentary stuff which everyone's mentioned already um so that like that's good I think that this episode manages to touch on it and not be super heavy-handed yeah because mm-hmm, we know how much I love heavy-handed episodes right and yes <laughs> and and there, and there certainly is
1: the tipping point to go too far yeah um but this was this, you this know one
0: manages to do it but it also like throws in some comedy which is you know helpful right when dealing with such a heavy topic especially right like in the end when o'brien and kira are trying to find them and they go through various times my god the, i yes. remember so kind of to the 60s right, and get up right,
1: sideways right. with this yeah that the, because they're they're the, and it's all in san francisco so in 19 you know the late 60s was the summer of love and whatever it is and yeah they materialize on a street and they're next to a you know a combi which is they call one of those hippie vans that's what they call them in australia and uh they, they just get out and they give them a flower and give them the piece, and they disappear and they far out because you know they're they're on acid they don't know these people appear and disappear or kira's just funny is yeah. they're so high they don't know that like, yeah exactly. direct, right. it doesn't yeah. apply because they don't they probably won't remember and the first <laughs> time they appear it's like you know it's like in the roaring 20s they're outside of speakeasy and uh two people walk out and o'brien like good evening and kira goes I broke my nose because she's wearing a, you know, a bandaid over her nose. And O'Brien's like, I told you not
0: to say anything. Yes. <laughs> like I, there's lots of stuff that I enjoy here. Like the department, like we get like hints of the department of temporal investigation which shows up later. Yeah. Um, I really quite enjoyed um, in the very end where you're, like Cisco's picture replaces bells in, yeah. In file <laughs> and
1: Yeah. And yeah. that get, and, and uh, gets a callback in that uh, Little Green Men episode next season, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. because they're they're dropping knockoff at Earth, and and Nog's looking through his pad, and he says, "Father, why does this Gabriel Bell human look like Captain Cisco?" <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <sighs> so
0: there's lots of like, there's a lot to like in in these two episodes. It's a great two. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we we get the return
1: of a uh, of a TOS guest star. In the form of Ron Howard. Because Ron Howard was in an episode of TOS when he was a child. One of the very earliest ones. So that was, he's a great. Ron, Ron, Ron Howard for president. We, we need him. <laughs> <laughs> the actor? Oh my, yeah, the, the actor? Oh my gosh. So um, try that he, once,
2: it, let's not do it again.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it, it was, no, I don't recall. Thank you, Ronnie. Um, any final thoughts before we move along? Not move along, home. Cause yikes, Ella Moraine. <laughs> Ella Moraine. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, uh, episode uh, thirteen is life support. Uh, same director as one of the previous ones, Reza Badia. We're going you know, I don't, Badi- I don't know him. I don't know Badia. I don't know the rest of his work. Story by Christian Ford and Roger Soffer. Uh, tell play by Ron D. Moore. So this seems like it's a case of. Kind of two unknowns. Maybe it's a spec script that was touched up by Ron Moore, which I just really enhances how great it is. Uh, from January of 1995, Bashir's ethics are put to the test as he keeps Vedic Barile alive long enough to help Kai win complete negotiations for a peace treaty with Cardassia. I watched these last three episodes on a plane yesterday, so I was able to download them. But not that I hadn't seen them a, a zillion times before, <laughs> and I was just—I uh, I am just completely stunned by how great this episode is and how this really sets you in motion of just how diabolical and horrible Wynn is as a character and it's it just gets worse and worse as the sh- as the show goes on but she's complete. you know she's uh, the episode begins that uh, uh you know there's a bajoran transport that's coming to the station there was some kind of explosion on board boral uh, and and are both on board Nobody knew they were coming. He's critically injured. Uh, he dies, and Bashir is able to, you know, by hook or by crook, bring him back to life. But then has to start to replace parts of his body because he's dying slowly, and and the, the ways to keep him uh, alive are artificial. But when is is just completely incapable of of moving forward without him, and she's trying to just be like, no, that's a, give him this extra drug. Oh, you know, okay, it ruined his liver. That's okay. We'll give him this other one. Oh, it ruined his lungs. Okay, uh, but I really do need him because and then and. When, you know, and Barile obviously knows how needed he is because he's like, yeah, you know, it's I guess it's this important that I'll give my life to help Win out because she's so frigging stupid that she can't handle this without me. I mean. He did the same thing when he let her basically become Kai while she was trying to blackmail him, uh, which happened last season. So, mm-hmm. oh, God, do I hate Wynn. She's, oh, she's so deliciously terrible. And it's very great
0: the is, though, because it's a yeah. character you
2: love mm-hmm. to hate. She's, yeah, so yeah, she's a villain. Yeah, you love to
1: hate the late Louis Fletcher who we lost last year but um, um yeah this is uh, not even Philip Angellum's uh, last appearances barrelral because we get we get mirror Beral in season six um who doesn't turn out to be such a great guy um but yeah this he's was so it, this was this was a great episode you know my favorite cap was Bashir's you know speech at the end about the spark of life and you know and Kira's like well can't you just take his brain out and you know and keep him going she's like no we, we've gone too far he's the, the part of him that would still be around if I swapped his brain out, he would just—he would be a robot, and we're just—I just can't do that. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, I—I I, I, I thought, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: no. So I—I I just absolutely love this episode. Yeah, we kind of get a, uh, a ship of Theseus sort of thing going on with this. Yeah, one, you know, like
2: it's very it, much ship of Theseus meets trolley problem.
1: Yep. Yeah exactly correct but yeah i think this this has great um and there's never any resolution never really see Bashir and and win cross swords again even though they're like i'll remember what you did here well i remember what you did here and then it was kind of that was kind of a red herring but whatever you know the thing i think was so brilliant about ds9 is they threw out a lot of red herrings that some of them came back and they did something with and some of them they didn't but they i'd never felt like they were wasted you know i never mm-hmm. really felt like ah you know they really screwed us by trying to set up this and that but or, or with the ongoing of star trek you know something that gets thrown out as a plot thread can come back 30 years later in an episode of picard who knows or whatever i mean mm-hmm. that, that's that's the beauty of star trek in my opinion so kay uh your thoughts
2: Um, I really, really loved the A-plot. This is one of those where A-plot, absolutely fantastic. 10 out of 10. The B-plot between Nog and Jake, I wanted to rip my hair out.
1: (laughs) Ah, ah. Well, you did. I saw you shave the one side of your head, so you were just
2: like, I can't take it. I did. I did. Because it (laughs) felt like one of those moments of, I, I get they were trying to show like, oh, you know, it's just that different cultures are different. Right. And I was like, this isn't different cultures. This is what makes me wonder how in the world the Ferengi ever got to be part of the Federation because they are well, actively subjugating half well, of their population. I
1: mean, <laughs> they mean, they, they aren't part of the Federation. Or, but, well, you
2: know, or gets involved with the Federation, like oh. and even doing any dealings with them.
1: Well, because- you know, and it's in the 32nd century, they are. Um, but that's because, you know, at the end of the series, sorry about the spoiler, Rom becomes Grand Nagus and he totally changes their society around. But yeah, you're right. right. But yeah, Where, but it, yeah. It, yeah. At this point, they're just like you know. Nog is like chew my food or cut. oh she said cut my food up or chew my food up or you know. Yeah. He, no, that he, was I,
2: the that was the difference is that he said he told Jake that he should be grateful that he didn't tell her, the female to chew his food. Oh, of course, yes, 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 be great. And at that point, I totally get it responds with that's disgusting. And then (laughs) Nog responds. Oh, well, humans have a bunch of disgusting rituals that I don't like either. And I'm like, there's there's a difference between a disgusting like something you don't like. And again, actively like enslaving half of your population like this isn't a oh well we just don't talk about things like i like pineapple on my pizza you don't
1: you, Kate, so, you are you know, a monster pineapple. We're just,
2: yeah we're just gonna not you know we'll just get different <laughs> toppings on a pizza
1: this Never. is civil your war best
2: friend is a raging misogynist yeah right Maybe don't be friends with him
1: <laughs> raging oh my goodness uh peter any final thoughts
0: um i also think that the Jake and Nog thing was, eh. yeah, mean, it was kind of. They try, yeah, but, yeah. but I did, I do like the whole bit between. Um, at what point does it make it where um, you're just doing too much and you're not saving a person anymore? You're just saving a husk, and that right. was mm-hmm. it, like, it's a tough topic. It's a tough issue, and I like right. how they kind of handled that. Um, exactly. was it a yeah, perfect it, solution. It, no. But that's kind of the point of a lot of Star Trek episodes is to throw it out there and be like, hey, this is a thing. And I'm not necessarily going to give you the answer, but you need to think about it
1: the moral quandary yeah exactly which is exactly why we didn't care for the JJ movies because there wasn't one um, Mm -hmm. in in, in much of a case so all right let's wrap it up so we got six episodes here let's pick a favorite and let's pick uh, opposite of a favorite
0: (laughs) okay you (laughs) might (laughs) all be very similar
2: (laughs) I I think they're probably going to be very very similar because Meridian would definitely be my least favorite and then past tense one and two would be my favorites
0: Uh, that would be a case of ditto (laughs) Probably very similar though it's kind of for me a bottom is tie between meridian and fascination.
1: <laughs> that that is also a very like split because it's just
0: like uh, yeah, I don't know but but to be fair, it didn't have like the super weird creepiness with Dex and Daryl so yeah it
1: goes down just like the planet disappeared and hopefully never came back mm-hmm. oh my gosh oh well that takes us to the end of the line uh kay take us out
2: yeah um you can find us online at secretfriendsunite.com for all of your uh all of our episodes additional content and bios and uh extra SFU content uh, you can hit us up at secret friends you me at quintessential geek or qt geek um, on twitter we have at penis peter P- petrus aquinas peter wow. i'm so sorry awesome. i messed that up so bad <laughs> awesome. and then add the c3 spell it out on twitter and let us know how you're enjoying star trek
1: oh my goodness Uh, and of course for more about Starfleet International please visit uh, The Grand Petesky over on Facebook and Twitter Uh, giving some strong love out to uh, our BFF patrons Nice family and Missy Merchant friends as always thank you for joining us I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking
2: and wherever you go go boldly
0: peace and long life